Lots of righteousness tends to belong So keep your love on, on Welcome to the Get Your Love On podcast. This show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe. In each episode, we learn how to simply walk with God in all His awesome love, incredible power, and authority. It's straightforward, and it's straight from the Word. We have free resources for you at getyourloveon.org. That includes free Bible studies and an amazing free video series, all there to answer your questions, build your faith, and of course, we'd love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us by going to getyourloveon.org. We have an amazing episode here, so let's go. Let it shine bright, 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 keep your love. Now we're going to hear an awesome testimony of a man who's walked a very unique path and through very difficult circumstances. But the whole way, he has great faith and believes God. And so even through these very difficult circumstances, his faith didn't waver and his belief in God never, never diminished at all. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's right. Without that faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to believe God for everything, for all of his promises, for the immediate healings that we expect, for the immediate restoration we expect. We believe God for it, and then God brings it to pass. And we also must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And that includes seeking God, even in federal prison. Those are the circumstances we are going to be discussing today. Seeking God and knowing that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, that includes even the circumstance of federal prison. We'll hear our friend Tom today as he relays his testimony to a summer camp of a beautiful Christian body that is in the Pacific Northwest. And these faithful individuals supported this man, prayed for him, sent him letters and encouragement and Bibles to the prison while he was serving time. And that kept his heart lifted. Now you're going to hear that. You're going to hear in his testimony how um, these are, he's a very energetic individual and very upbeat and encouraging individual. These were very difficult times though. And you'll hear that. And you'll also hear how these faithful individuals were a lifeline to this man as he was going through some unique circumstances. But guess what? All that time, in federal prison, it was directed by the hand of God himself. And now the same man, our friend Tom, has been from coast to coast, literally, in his ministry throughout Orange County, California, and just returned from actually the coast of Florida, where he ministered to busloads of Cuban Americans and baptized those who wanted it right there in the ocean. Ladies and gentlemen, this revival is unstoppable. It's so incredible. And the work of the Lord is getting done by those who know that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And the work of the Lord is getting done by those who are seeking God with all their heart, all their mind, and all their strength. And I want to introduce you to someone who does that too in his testimony. Here, ladies and gentlemen, is part one. 
So here's Brother Tom. I think most of you know him. But some of you younger ones don't know quite some of the highlights of his story. He's going to give you just the highlights tonight because it was, it was quite a journey. And, you know, there's quite an outcome. So without further ado, I just give you Brother Tom. He's, he's going to tell you what, what God did while he was away. Away. <laughs> Serving the Lord. Mm -hmm. He was. Wow. What a blessing. What a blessing to be here. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being here. Instead of having a picture that I had from the last two or three sent to me while I was incarcerated. This is awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, this is amazing. So before I want to start, I want to just give two scriptures quickly. Matthew 5, 16. And this is pertinent right now. Let your light shine so before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's you guys. You're a lights to the world. When you go anywhere, you're that light that turns on that people want to be drawn towards. And through my journey, I'll tell you, the Lord and the presence and the favor that I had of the Holy Spirit was awesome. And it was that light that went before me and the light that shined through. I had no understanding of the, the tragedy of life that I was going to see and be aware of. And another scripture that I have that I just want to say before we really get going is 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And he said unto me, and that's true, that's what he did say unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, most gladly. Therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in all the persecutions, in incarcerations, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I'll tell you, that's the truth. That is, that is more alive than you really, that word carried me through. And I knew the strength. I had the strength and the presence all the way through. Now it has been eight years since I've been here before. And I'm just gonna go back a little bit of what led me to being away <laughs> serving my federal government. I had a company in the, in the desert that we dealt with uh, anti-aging medicine and we supplied the, the, the pharmaceuticals and the uh, nutritional supplements to the doctors and to the drug wholesale companies. And basically we brokered it. So we didn't need, we thought we didn't need licenses for distributing of pharmaceuticals. And we were, my partner was my attorney, and I had, I thought everything really spelled out with an attorney, and he signed off on every deal that I had, and all the funds and all the money went through his attorney trust account. Now, what happened is they came after one of our drug wholesalers in New Hampshire, and that's who really they wanted to get, and we were FDA. only secondary. Yeah, the FDA, they being the FDA. And what happened is that we kind of got caught in the mix and we were brokering it so that I never really touched it except for one time. One time we got a shipment because we were getting circumvented by one of our suppliers that we were shipping to 
and he went around us and went to our source. And so what I did is we took the, it was 200 and some bottles of uh, the human, it was basically human growth hormone. Came in the front door, we slapped a label on it and went right out the, that's how fast it was. We didn't inventory it, didn't have anything, but it went out the back door. Well, that's what we got hit for. And we being my attorney. Now my attorney, we had, and I was going back and forth while we were here up in 2009. And my attorney, in his almighty wisdom, decided that he wanted to go to trial. I was ready to take a plea. They gave us a plea agreement that would have given us, we would have got hit with a felony, but we would have only had three years probation, no incarceration whatsoever. So he took it to trial. And he being my partner, I was gonna get whatever he got and we went to trial. So he thought he was hot stuff and as it is, anytime you go to trial against the federal government, you lose. We, Brother Don, yes, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a happy place. So we ended up getting sentenced and we got a three year sentence in federal prison with three years formal probation. They, it doesn't mean anything to you when they tell you in court until it actually happens. Formal probation is like another three years of incarceration. So what happened is we had a report and it was self-reporting, so at least they were keeping me in California. I was sent to Taft, California, which is only like two and a half, maybe three hours from where I was living in California, which would have been great. So I get there and all I brought with me was my two Bibles and I walk in, go up to the CO at, at the, the desk, I call it registration, and I said, I'm here to check in. And they go, uh, check in? I said, yeah, I'm self-surrendering. He says, that's better. So I go, oh, okay. So we do a little bit of paperwork and he says, oh, you know, you're going out to camp. Not this kind of camp, kids. <laughs> it wasn't this kind of camp. Uh, you're gonna go out to camp. So basically, all you have to do is you're going to go over here. We'll do some paperwork. You'll be in camp. Two days later, you'll be able to make phone calls, and then you can have visitations and everything within the next week. I said, great. So they put these little khaki jumpsuits on us, and I go back, and I'm sitting in this little waiting room, and there's like 20 of us there. And I checked in at 9 o'clock in the morning. And I'm sitting there, and one by one, these guys are going out the door. Being interviewed, boom, they're gone, they're gone. And I'm sitting, I'm the last one, five o'clock in the evening. I'm still sitting there going, eh, okay, Lord, what's going on here? And finally they came to me and they said, uh, we got a problem here. And I go, problem, I just got here. I didn't do anything, you know, how, how do we have a problem? And what happened is um, I had gotten there two days after my attorney had gotten there. So they sent us to the same prison, which they should have never done. So he filed a keep separate from me, and it's called a separatees, and he filed that, so that means I can't go out to the yard there. So they said, you know something, uh, take off that khaki outfit you have on and put on this orange jumpsuit. I go, oh, this can't be good. So I was sent to the hole, to solitary confinement. The, it's called a shoe, segregated housing unit. Not very pretty place. So as soon as I took off that, they put on the orange, they shackled me and took me off to shackled both legs and everything. And I'm supposed to be out to camp. 
you know, this is minimum, it's minimum security of the camp. Now I'm in hardcore isolation. And literally, I was in there for four months and awaiting to find out what they were going to do with me. And during that time, and I'll tell you one thing, and I'll say it, and I was saying this earlier tonight, is it was the favor of the Lord from the time I said, hi, I'm here to check in. That was the favor of the Lord was upon me. Even going to the hole, that was the favor of the Lord because it sent me to where I had to go. And we talked last night about you have to be all in and you have to know when you listen to what the Lord says. That was it. You may not like it. The flesh certainly didn't like it. And so I was there and I go, wow, you know, here I, I didn't know how long I was going to be there. So every day was an up and down. Am I going to be here a week? Am I going to be here? Whatever. No one would tell me. And they kept going, oh, yeah, we still, we're, we're checking you out. And I'm going, what's the check out? I mean, my gosh, it was crazy. So I was there four months in the hole. Didn't know that you could go out to the yard for one hour every day until like the second or third week I was there. So I'm in solitary confinement 24-7, not knowing what was going on. And they had little psychologists come around and check, check you to see, oh, how are you doing? Are you okay? And you fill out this little thing. Do you hear voices? And I'd say, yeah, I hear voices. Yeah, I hear voices. So they take me out of cell. I get out of cell. They have to shackle me to go to this little meeting. I'm shackled to go see the, the counselor, the psychologist. She says, so what kind of voices? I said, I'm talking to the Holy Spirit, and he's talking to me every day. I'm in there. I'm in praising the Lord and praising. She goes, oh, <laughs> you know, oh, you know, here she thought she had some head case that was going to be. But we got to be friends after a while, and she actually vouched on my behalf to know it. So what happened, long story short, I finally get my paperwork to go to, they're shipping me out. And the counselor comes to me, and he goes, we got good news, and we have not so good bad news. And I said, so give me the bad news first. He says, you're going to Colorado. And I go, whoa, jeepers, creepers. I said, Colorado? So he goes, the good news is you're going on the bus. And I go, yes, I know what the bus is. I know what the bus is. It's really, yeah, I'm going on the prison bus. That's what I'm thinking. And he goes, no, you're going on the bus. And I go, what do you mean I'm going on the bus? And it's the Greyhound bus. So they put it, I didn't have any good time, didn't have anything, so I didn't get a furlough, so they pushed it through that I had a furlough so I could go by myself there. Of course, I didn't have any clothes because you had to turn them all in, so I had to dress in a woman's, a woman's sweater, a size 9, I wear a size 10 and a half shoe, size 9 shoes, and we're on our way to, to Colorado. And that is part one of Brother Tom's testimony, how the Lord directed him through federal prison. And of course, Apostle Paul knew well what it was like to be in bonds. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, he says, quote, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. The, the word of the Lord is not bound um, by someone else's incarceration. Not at all. And in part two and three, we'll hear the incredible miracles that the Lord accomplished. In fact, at the end of Colossians, Apostle Paul actually asked 
us to remember his bonds. That's how important this time was before the Lord for Apostle Paul. And you'll hear real life examples of how important this time was for our friend Tom. In Colossians 4.18, it says, The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds. Grace be with you. Amen. So can we look sideways at anyone's past? Can we consider someone's past? Absolutely not. God wants us to see each other through his eyes. We are saints. We are beloved brethren, regardless of any unique experiences, shall we say, because all of it works together for good to those that love the Lord, to those that are the called according to his purpose. That's in Romans. We'll hear about what it means to be in solitary confinement. Our friend Tom has a wonderful sense of humor. And so he mentioned that four months in solitary confinement and how it was the favor of the Lord. And he can say that because just like Daniel came out of the lion's den unscathed because he believed in his God, our friend Tom did as well. Others are not so uh, directed by God. And so according to the American Psychological Association, this is what most people endure if they spend time in solitary confinement. I wanted to offer this so you could see the incredible contrast, the joy that you hear in our friend Tom's voice. Even as he's talking about these um, experiences, it's, it's unmistakable. And that's because God was guiding him and sort of laying the foundation of greater works to come. So according to the American Psychological Association, quote, many inmates experience panic attacks, depression, and paranoia, and some suffer hallucinations when they're stuck in solitary confinement for um, more than a, just 15 days. 15 days is kind of the international norm. Beyond that, it's considered cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, that's according to the UN. Not all countries have adopted that yet. But um, the American Psychological Association goes on to say, people suffer in these environments, experiencing a range of what can be severe negative psychological effects, including forms of depression and hopelessness. Sometimes they become so despondent, they attempt to take their own life. In fact, the highest rates of suicide and self-harm occur in solitary confinement units. One of the very serious psychological consequences of solitary confinement is that it renders many people incapable of living anywhere else. Then when prisoners are released into cells or back into society, they are often overwhelmed with anxiety. They actually get to the point where they become frightened of other human beings. That's from the American Psychological Association and their studies on solitary confinement and the effects that it has. What a contrast. When a man is put in a certain situation, and we'll hear in part two why the Lord had him there. Um, but when the Lord strengthens us and has a purpose in these unique, peculiar circumstances, all the would-bes of the world, all the experts that think they know what the results are going to be, guess what? They don't apply. They do not apply. So here's part two. We'll hear how just like Daniel, our friend Tom was not alone in solitary confinement. He was being uniquely prepared by God. Now, please listen as he relays these miracles and how his faith and belief in God carries him through these very trying years. Here's part two of Tom's story. So I was off to, to Colorado. Once I got to Colorado, the Lord was already there. The Holy Spirit had opened the doors 
favor was everywhere. I mean, it was just from the time I walked in, I walked in looking totally emaciated. Can I interject? Yeah. Well, see, he had four months to wait on the Lord in a small, tiny space. He never even hit the outside yeah. except once. So all of this time he's waiting on the Lord. There's total preparation. Plus all of the saints that you know of him, you know him. We were praying fervently. Yeah. Go ahead. So, and why I was in the hole, I didn't have anything. Nothing. I didn't have anything to write with. They don't give you, you the razor blade, they hand in the thing and they watch you shave and you got to hand it back. That's how bad golf it was. Pencils I mean, and pencils were the little golf pencils. And I make a reference in one of the things I said, oh gosh, I'm back to writing with golf pencils. But that's all I had, a little golf pencil and you couldn't even sharpen them. So you're, you're chewing on it to get the lead out, the, the right. It was, I, they I, were have the, I have the letters yeah. in golf pencils. Yeah. I have a whole binder of all of his letters. We're gonna make a book. And he and has my responses. Unbelievable. She kept every letter that I wrote with every response. So two big binders full of every letter that I wrote and every response that she sent back. So from Prison with Love? From Prison with Love. That's the book. Yeah. And now you're in Colorado. Yeah, I'm in Colorado. Thank you. <laughs> I'm in Colorado and I'm walking in and all I have is my little box of books. That's all I accumulated for those four months, little box of books. And they were basically Bibles and Bible references. That's all I had. And so I check in there and the Lord blessed me right away. The guy that drove me there became a friend. He got me a job right away in the uh, law library, which people wait in line to get that job. And also, as soon as I hit, I was ready to go with the Lord. Because I walked in like I owned the place. I really did. However, they didn't think I did. I looked in. My hair was all disheveled. And they looked at me and they go, you look like the guy from Back to the Future, Marty! <laughs> so that was a kind of a joke. Here comes Marty! <laughs> so... It was good, but it was an opening. Mm -hmm. And being a chiropractor, I had a great little practice yep. in, in there. We had a full gym. The gym. They had a gym and you know, it was made, the guys made the weights and everything. Mm -hmm. But we had a gym, the guys made a bench for me. So that's, I, you know, straight out and I'd have 30 guys a day waiting there. Okay, doc, can I come and see you? Hey doc, can I come and see you? Well, that was the opening for Bible study. And Bible study, it would, they had a little Bible study, and it was run by some priest or some minister that was there, but he didn't want to be there, and he was off, and he didn't really oversee it. So that was kind of my say, well, how do we get this thing going? And how do we get this going? Well, we don't have Bibles. We don't have anything. So again, my angel comes up, you need Bibles? We'll send Bibles. So we were only allowed five books, and I'd get five books per month mm -hmm. sent in, and by the time I got out of mail line, they were gone. Mm -hmm. Guys, a good doctor, and I have the Bible. I want to be, well, I said, you got to come to Bible study. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. And we did. So those are from you guys. Thank you. Yeah, hundreds of Bibles went out. Hundreds, hundreds of Bibles went out. And there's stories that we'll tell you later mm -hmm. of the Bible the showing results. up. And I know that it was our guy 
that was using the Bible because I asked the individual, I said, who's doing the Bible study? And he said, well, Jimmy's doing the Bible study. I said, Jimmy? And they go, yeah, this is up in South Dakota. And I said, what kind of Bible did he have? And we had given it, and it was very distinct. It was two different colors, dark brown leather and a light brown leather and gold. And the guy describes the Bible, and I go, oh, my gosh. And this guy didn't even go to our Bible studies. It was something that he and I interacted with. The, the blessing is, is that it just snowballed. It just took off and went. So we're going to relate a couple of the, couple of the real highlights, highlights, but miracles that actually happened. Okay, what, what I'm going to relate to you now are three individual stories from three guys that were part of our Bible study. And the first one, Arvin, it's a little Jewish guy. He and I worked in, he was the other guy that worked in the law library with me. Well, Arvin was this little diehard realtor and very wealthy individual, built half of Denver and got caught for HUD housing violations or something and ended up being devastated and sent to prison for seven years. Well, this guy was just nothing but sweet little guy, sweet but very ruthless in business. And one of his, his issues was that he had a big 10,000 square foot home that was in this palatial place, and he had one of his daughters living in it, and he threw her out before he went to prison because he didn't want the value of the real estate to diminish by having her live in it. So that was where he came from. But that's not where he ended up. So I'm going to read the letter that I had written to Carol and to you guys, to the saints. And then we'll have a response. But we don't have a response to the first one. So we'll go forward on this. So this is Arvin. This is in June of 2011. And Arvin and I were somewhat friendly. Um, he was very very little sheltered guy and very by the book. He didn't want to do anything outside. So I'm, I'm stating this first uh, one is, the subject is thank you. And it's greetings with much, much love and faith. Thank you for the financial blessings. It is greatly appreciated and used to bless many others as the Lord leads me. Thank you, the blessings are from you guys. It was so cool. We financed his whole time in prison. You did. And what had happened is I get money on my books and someone else would have needs in there that didn't have money and we were able to help them. And by that, got him to come into Bible study and such. So it was a real blessing. So reading on, the Jewish a Jewish gentleman that I work with in the law library had been having nosebleeds since January. The medical staff keeps telling him that it was allergies or sinus infection or something not to worry about. From the onset, I have been telling him to seek help from the outside doctors through the medical staff by exaggerating all your symptoms. Somehow get in to see him. Well, after five months of continual nosebleeds, the medical staff arranged for an ENT doctor, ear, nose, and throat doc, to come from the outside to see him. The doctor immediately bi biopsied the growth and sent the specimen to be analyzed. After the biopsy, my Jewish friend's face became enlarged. His parotid gland was the size of an orange, and his eye became distended, exposing the inside of the eye with all the vascularity. He looked like he just went 15 rounds with Mike Tyson. I was appalled, 
and told him to try to get to be put in the hospital for follow-up. Three weeks had passed. He was in great pain and discomfort. Finally, on Friday, I was convinced, I convinced him to go to pill line where the pharmacy tech comes in and, and you only get your pills from them, whatever medication you're on, and show the pharmacy tech what was wrong with his face. This was on a Friday night and nothing gets done in the BOP until the next Monday. Well, the Lord intervened. And on Saturday morning, the outside doctor was here and they took him directly to the hospital. His diagnosis, the dreaded cancer. And at this point, terminal. They administered six days of chemotherapy, totally incapacitated him, sick, vomiting, and after six days, they brought him back to camp. The diagnosis was a neuroendocrine carcinoma in the nasal sinus that had also been in the bone and in the liver. Probably the primary site was the liver. Prior to his therapies, for approximately eight weeks, I was able to minister to him about the Lord and how we serve the same God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, that we Christians share as joint heirs in the kingdom of God by the precious blood of Jesus. Well, when he returned from the hospital, he told me that he had a visitation, and he realized that his spiritual walk needs to be with the Lord Jesus. So what happened at this time is I assembled a little group of four individuals. One gentleman that had been a minister and a pastor for 25 years. One kid that Michael Lucas was the heir to the Lucas Oil fortune. And the other, Mike Corona, who is the head sheriff, sheriff of, of Orange, Orange County. County, who was there with us. And then another individual that was was there, but we, we fluctuated as time went on and rotated his spot in myself. So what we did is we brought all four of us into the law library, sat Arvin down in the chair, and we all laid hands on him and started praying. And what happened is I was off in tongues. Well, the pastor on the other end of, of it was looking at me. All of a sudden, he burst into tongues. And the two guys are praying loud as, as loud as could be. And this happened, and all of a sudden, Arvin jumps up, and he goes, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I accepted Jesus Christ. And we're dancing around. Everybody is just totally blown away. We're all hugging each other and crying and going off. And that was the beginning of it. And then he was shipped off to uh, South Carolina, where he went through more treatment and eventually got a compassionate release to go home and die and that's what happened and I ended the sentence by saying praise the Lord miracles continue all my love to you and all the saints love and faith me mm -hmm. so that was the first first letter and and the first having little him and when he went to South Carolina he was there pushing around the wheelchair of another guy that had double hip, hip replacement that was from our camp. And they were going to Bible study, and Arvin was participating in Bible study there and co contributing and actually telling his testimony. So that was a blessing, total blessing, and not expected. It's just an incredible testimony of the Lord's power to send a man from California all the way to a federal prison in Colorado to help anyone who would 
And it's also wonderful to hear the true love of Christ shown to our friend Tom as he was ministering in federal prison. Isn't it wonderful to hear of the many prayer warriors that were backing him up, sending him Bibles and those offerings and encouraging him? And of course, also the hundreds of inmates that were also being blessed by this incredible work of the Lord. Just amazing. And, and, you know, as we've mentioned before, the word of the Lord is not bound. It's not it's never in a box. God is never in a box. He will do only wondrous things as we are obedient and as we listen and as we believe him. If you've been hearing the same old voice of the same old lies. If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside. There's a better life. There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom Save it He's a prison shaking savior If you got chains He's a chain breaker We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. There's a better life. You got pain. He's a pain taker. That's right. That was Zach Williams, Chain Breaker. Jesus Christ is a prison shaker. And we're hearing a man's testimony today, our friend Tom, who spent years in federal prison, but all of those years directed by the hand of God to shake things up. Hundreds were baptized, and he was fully supported by a true Christian ministry whose purpose was to ensure the true love of God 
was felt by anyone and everyone who wanted that truth. That's what we're hearing today, and that's the kind of shaking that God is looking to do across this land, not just in in prisons or in pockets, but across this whole land. But guess what? That's right. There's more. Now, here is part three where we will hear the letters that our friend Tom sent and the responses from those in this ministry that were supporting him. We'll hear of a dangerous gang leader that has led to Christ and how spiritual warfare gets physical. Also, God can visit a lost soul in a very special way. So without further ado, here is part three of Tom's story. Now, Ricardo. Okay, Ricardo. This is, uh, Ricardo was a Hispanic individual. He was a drug lord, an uppity-up drug lord in the cartels, and I'm not sure which one, but he was a, what they call a shot caller in prison. He was a shot caller for the Hispanics, and the blacks had the shot caller, the whites we had, a, and the Christians, we didn't have a shot caller. We had the Holy Spirit, so we went right to him. Yeah. So Ricardo wasn't, personal, wasn't a personal man, but he would wear rosary beads around his neck. He was a Catholic, and he wore this ring, and all the other little Hispanic guys that knew him would come up and kiss his ring. So kind of told you that maybe he was really influential. Well, he was there for a long time. So we will talk about it here. But praise the Lord. This is another letter. Praise the Lord in all things and everything. Our God is amazing. Thank you to all the saints that wrote me and gave me update reports. So what a blessing that was to receive from you guys. I'd get the pictures and uh, there was no way of putting them on the wall so we'd take toothpaste and we'd stick it on the walls with the toothpaste. And we're only allowed five pictures at a time so they'd come in and rip them down or whatever they did. Um, But for the most part I kept everything and I have it in my folder. My love for the saints continues to grow. I know that the Lord is working mightily and is moving upon the lives of his people. All glory to the Lord. Being born again with the fruits and the power of the Holy Spirit is an awesome blessing. This past week, I was able to see and feel the power of the Holy Spirit manifested in healing. A gentleman here named Ricardo, who is finishing up a 22-year bit, 22 years he has been incarcerated. At camp, you only can be 10 years or under. So he's finishing up a 10-year bit. He is diabetic and had surgery three weeks ago for retinopathy. The doctors had indicated that the surgery was a success. However, Ricardo was left blind in that eye with a blood clot that had formed. The doctors tried for two weeks to eliminate the clot, but to no available. And the real problem was, is he was ready to parole that next week after he had surgery. And they will not let you parole if you have a medical condition. And this was a medical, he had no vision, and it was a, an indication, a contraindication of, of the uh, surgery. So, Ricardo is a Hispanic and a practicing Catholic. The Lord put it in my heart to approach Ricardo and lay hands on him. Not an easy thing to do here in prison, especially when someone is standoffish, as Ricardo was. After a little persuasion, he agreed, stating, Oh, hell, what do I have to lose? My faith at this time was boiling over, and I spoke boldly to that damn clot. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! The Holy Spirit touched Ricardo with fire, and he screamed, thinking I had done something to burn him. Ricardo was crying. 
and I was crying. And we're jumping up, proclaiming, proclaiming. He jumps up and says, I can see, I can see, I see. And he goes, glory to God, glory to God. And we're holding each other and crying. Ricardo is still a practicing Catholic, however, and he comes to our open Bible studies, but he paroled within a week afterward. And he, but what happened is because of what happened to Ricardo and all these little guys that came around to kiss his rings, all those Hispanic guys started coming to our Bible study. So we got them away from the Catholic end of it and they came to our Bible studies. So my saint, my angel, I called and I said, can we get Spanish Bibles? So, I mean, it, it was, we get the Spanish Bibles, we'd hand them out, these guys would come, and we had to have an interpreter in Bible class then, in Bible study. So a number of them got baptized. So it was, it was really a blessing. So I ended up by saying, I miss the ocean and his magnificent sunsets and the wonders of his creations. With love and faith, me. That was good. So let's see what we got here. A good little scripture that really puts it on the, uh, Psalm 35, 27, 28. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of the righteousness of, the, of thy praise all day long. That was it. And it, it, it was shouting and people all around when, when the healing happened were all around and, and wondering what was going on. And those guys came in. We had a number of Baptists. And I didn't say this in the beginning. There was about 200 of us in camp at a time. And during the two and a half year stay I was there, there was over a thousand guys that came through because the turnover is pretty high. We were able to baptize over 200 individuals for the Lord. It was just amazing. It was a blessing that was, you would never, I would never have even fathomed. I couldn't have done without being sent there. And it was totally of the Lord. So I answered this, this letter that he wrote about Ricardo. Hi, Tom. We give thanks to God always for you, praying for you, remembering without ceasing your work of faith there and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord. Even as Paul thanked God for the Thessalonians, he stated, quote, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord. In every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, unquote. Even your faith which worketh by love, Galatians 5, 6, Thank you, Lord, that your faith is growing exceedingly and God is using your faith and love to show all men there how great he truly is to those who believe on his name. For with God, all things are possible. As your friend Ricardo now knows, just as God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power, so he's enabling you to do good and healing and bringing great witness of Jesus and his love for all. Wow. Now we have quite a highlight coming up. Yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, this is another one that sent me to the hole. Again. And I just I want to start, and I know we talk about spiritual warfare, but spiritual warfare is a reality. Every time we walk out, we're protected here with the Holy Spirit. Every time you walk out that door, 
we're inundated and bombarded because of who we are and what we have inside us. And spiritual warfare turns physical. So Ephesians 6, and I'm going to go Ephesians 6, 10, 10 to 20 again. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, that's right, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girded with the truth, having on your breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod, and your legs shod, in the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Holy Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds and in prison, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know, that's it. We put it on I, every day. Every day I put on the full armor of the Lord. Every night I, when I'm laying in bed, it's part of my prayer. I lay there and put on the... the protective armor all the way through. I not only shod my, my feet, I also shod my legs because I'm taking hits. So I need it. I need the protection. So that is important. That is major important to all of us that we understand that we're against evil warfare. And this next little uh, letter will let you know. Mm -hmm. So this is greetings with much. It starts out inmate attack, spiritual warfare. That's the heading. Greetings with much love and faith. I send my love and prayers to you and all the beautiful saints. I am back writing from the shoe. <laughs> I was involved in a minor altercation at camp. For that, we were sent to the hole for 30 days. I lost all privileges. Phone lost for 30 days. Commissary, 60 days. 60 days, no email. And added 27 days of lost good time. The incident was unavoidable. I am thankful to be going back to camp. Normally they ship guys back to, to ship them out to Texas or Florida. But the Lord is blessing me continually. Coming in here has brought new faces before me and new tasks for learning. Talking about coming into the hole. I praise the Lord mightily and I have my Bible and the word to comfort me. Just a quick note. Spiritual warfare is for real. I can attest to that wholeheartedly. The incident started in the chow hall. We were all assembled in there, all the inmates. We were in a straight line for, to get flu shots, of which I didn't even get. So suddenly, out of nowhere, an inmate was in my face screaming at me. Yes, he was screaming at me, my face right in front of me. And it was one of the guys that was there. And his face was contorted. His breath was just vile, looking at me, as were the words coming out of his mouth. And 
going along with it, he, his face actually looked like a werewolf. He's just in front of me, just vile smelling, and I'm standing there writing a little thing, and I had a pencil in my hand. And I'm like, what is going on here? This is crazy. And the guy's gnashing, his teeth are gnashing as he tried to bite me. Then chow, the whole chow hall was in an uproar. Staff quickly came in and separated us. And just a little side note, Psalm, Psalm 37, 12. The wicked plotted against the just and gnashes upon him with his teeth. That's all that was going through my head. This guy's coming at me and his teeth are in my face. Unbelievable. As I left the chow hall and returned to my room to go to the bathroom, and as I was leaving my room to go down the hall, I decided to go to the library to check my emails. Walking down this long hallway towards the library, out of nowhere, the same guy comes running down the hallway at me, full tilt, and attacks me. He is swinging his fist, going crazy at me, and I'm thinking, gosh, I can't hit him. So what I tried to do is lock him up, and I was going to take him down. Well, that didn't work. Landing all kinds of, he landed a couple of shots at me. I was trying to control his arms and locking him up to take him down when we went crashing through, yes, we went crashing through the hallway wall, knocked the whole wall down. So he's on top of me and I'm holding him and I'm standing looking into one of the inmates room, standing right there. And this, I'm going, whoa, this is, you know, we can't hide this. The COs came soon, arrived and we were off to the shoe. So here I sit in the shoe, in the hole, with the same guy that was my co-defendant out there, and we're in the same cell. And what they do is they marry you, they put you together, and they call it, we're going to marry you to see if you guys are compatible so you can go back to the, to the camp. If you're not, they're shipping you off to Texas or Florida. So I'm in there, and I took the high bunk. I usually don't take the high bunk, but I took the high bunk just to say, ah, I don't want to be near this guy. So we were in there. So the good thing is I got a Bible, and the only thing that I had, you're totally stripped on. You just got your underwear and a blanket. You have nothing else in there, little slippers. And so I finally got a Bible, one of my people. So I got to minister to him and share Bible time as the Lord is blessing me. Praise the Lord. Spiritual warfare, yes. Physical, yes. But it is of the evil one. If you write, please don't reference this incident. I will have many more stories to share with you. And in quotes, it goes, you can't make this stuff up. Send letters to the same address. They will be forwarded to me in the shoe. Uh, let's see. I am back to writing with golf, golf pencils again. I wrote that. This will be my fifth month in the shoe. Four at Taft and one here. What a way to do time. Well, my beloved saints, I miss you all. My armor has a few more dings. All glory to the Father through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God's grace be upon you all. Love and faith. A warrior for Christ. Me, Tom, Doc. That was it. So with that, that I was able to go back to camp. They didn't tell him that he wasn't able to go back to camp, but they shipped him off, and he got hit with another two years just for the incident, because everybody that was in the, uh, all the medical staff that was in the chow hall for the flu shots said that he started it. So when I went before, I had to go on closed circuit TV before a, a little uh, judge, they, and that's where he hit you with all your sanctions and everything that happens. 
he said, well, he pulls up a stack of papers and he said, these are all on your behalf from the medical staff. Well, that one. the thing was, though, that he forgot to tell when he had this guy in the cell. Remember, it was a vicious, demonic persona here coming yeah. against him. But because of that Bible and that open word and he started ministering him, that, that guy was on his knees and crying like a baby and wanting to get back to the... He had experienced some degree of the Lord before in his life and he wanted to get right back and repent and make right with God. Yeah. And that actually happened in that enclosure, in that tight in little the, space. And we were able to, he'd be down on his knees crying. Yes. And he had been a Christian way back when, and his wife still was. Mm -hmm. But this guy was doing the installment plan, being in a federal prison. Mm -hmm. He ended up doing with the new two years on it, that would have been 30 some years that he was in and out of prisons. So he'd be in for five years, out, get caught for something, in and out all the time. Mm -hmm. So he was really corrupt. I mean, mm -hmm. just a corrupt individual. But he was down on his hands mm -hmm. and knees, mm -hmm. and I ended up baptizing him mm -hmm. with the toilet water that we had. That's all we had. So that's all I had. Mm -hmm. So we rebaptized yep. him, yep. and I was praying every day, Lord, get me out of here, please. Can you get me out of here safely? Can you just mm -hmm. be safe? Have the ministering angels here. Mm -hmm. So all the other guys are there for doing something, sticking somebody or whatever, because this shoe, the shoe that we were sent to, was for the inside prison, too, which was a level two and three. So that's a little more hardcore than the camp, campers being there. Mm -hmm. And a camper very seldom got sent there, unless they stole vegetables or something. You know, that was <laughs> it. Yeah, that was but, seriously. See, the point is that he, he was in the shoe with this guy, and the Lord had ordained that because the Lord was giving this man, at, at one point, demonic, at the next point, on his knees, crying like a baby, and the Lord releasing him and setting him free. So... They shipped, ended up shipping him off. Tom yeah. never saw him again after the shoes. Yeah. But yet that work was done. And you see how the authority of the Lord can take over with anything or anybody? That's the yeah. point that the Lord wants to make here is that we have power over all the power of the enemy, the Lord said, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Yeah. And that was, that was God's that was, deliverance. Well, right and out of that, because I did go to the shoe mm -hmm. and Bible study. We had a couple guys that picked up the Bible study at the camp, but them knowing that I was actually in the right and even my counselor on the, the camp yard was vouching for me. She was, she's the one that got me the Bible. Mm -hmm. And um, so what happened is number of other guys that were kind of like, oh, maybe I'll go to Bible study. Maybe I won't they go. Came. I, they started coming yeah. in it and brought we, we had a, influx of, of yeah. baptisms there yeah. as a result of me going yeah. in and, and the testimony that came out yeah. of that. You've got a story to tell. It is yours, it is no one else's. But you got to speak up and let the world know what makes you different. Because what they're looking at is just a shell. Underneath is a glorious treasure, the light of Christ, the answer of hope, the Holy Ghost. It's a beauty in your soul, one of God's great miracles. And it's a fire that burns forever. But if you hold that fire within, you deprive it oxygen. 
needs to breathe to speak to others so let it grow and spread just let it grow and spread when you give out your testimony remember every word is holy and there are those who have waited all their lives for those merciful words of truth delivered by beautiful you you're the light of christ the answer of hope the holy ghost and it's a beauty in your soul one of god's great miracles it's a fire that burns forever but if you hold that fire within you deprive it oxygen it needs to breathe to speak to others so let it grow and spread just let it grow and spread say we are merely the envelope but we carry the holy ghost and we have to deliver it to the world say we are merely the envelope but we carry the holy ghost and we've got to deliver it to It's a beauty in our souls These are God's great miracles And they are fires that burn forever But if we hold these fires within We deprive them oxygen They need to breathe to speak to others So let them grow and spread Just let them grow and spread let these fires grow and spread Just let them grow and spread Don't let them dim We heard the incredible testimony of um, a man, our, our dear friend, his name's Tom, and how the Lord orchestrated a set of circumstances that seemed very peculiar and downright outrageous and trying um, as a simple business deal sent him to federal prison. Uh, the first four months of that time served in solitary confinement. And it was in that time, though, that the Lord prepared him for a great work as he was sent to another federal prison in Colorado. And some 200 men were baptized and offered the chance to hear the good news of the gospel because this man believes God and his faith is strong, regardless of what it looks like on the outside, regardless of the circumstance. And, you know, it's really interesting because a lot of people believe in God and they'll say that, yes, I believe in God. But how many people actually believe God, that he is who he says he is, and have faith that he is exactly who he says he is? Because God is not a man that he can lie. So he is who he says he is. And as we are exercised in that faith, and as we walk forward in that belief, we see our lives become the wondrous adventure and incredible testimony to God's great wondrous work. So I have a really good Bible study for us today on faith and belief.
And in Hebrews 11, 6, we read this scripture in the first hour of the show, but it's so meaty and wonderful. I wanted to start this again with it. It's Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Speaking of God Almighty, for the he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we must believe that God is, that he is only righteous, that he is the um, the one that inhabits eternity, that I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because a scripture in Isaiah is so incredible, but that God inhabits eternity. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's not something that a natural mind can really understand. It is something that we have to use our spiritual mind and our spiritual understanding to really reverence and appreciate. And that's why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why in Acts 2.38, when Apostle Peter says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ in Nazareth for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a real key for us Christians walking in this life. If we want to be able to have the faith to please God, if we want to be able to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, that that's going to take us being filled with the Holy Spirit to really get a full understanding of that. But let's go to Isaiah 57, 15. This is one of my favorite scriptures um, as it really explains who God Almighty is and why he is. It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. There's a capital H on that word, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So not only is God Almighty at work for us, not only does he inhabit eternity, so he's got everything squared away because he already knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows what's happened in the past and he knows where we're at right now. He inhabits that place, but he does so to ensure that he can revive the spirit of the humble. Those that have been brought low, those that have been told that they aren't good enough. Well, that's that's a lie of the devil. So the Lord is there at the high and lofty place, the highest place there is in order to see all those who are humble and contrite and to lift them up as well. In fact, in the Hebrew, when it says, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, that the, the definition, the Hebrew of lofty one is one that lifts up. So not only is God up at that high and lofty place, but he lifts us up there as well. And in Second Chronicles chapter 20, we'll go to verse 20. Uh, this is a really fascinating chapter of the word because, well, actually, let's let's go up to verse 17 because we're talking about believing God and having the faith that he is who he says he is. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17, it says, Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. This was a mighty battle that was being set up, and uh, a great multitude 
of adversaries were set up against Judah and Jerusalem. But Jehoshaphat, in verse 18, it says, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. I love these scriptures because it's still the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He inhabits eternity. And so the same God that said to Jehoshaphat and his people, you shall not need to fight in this battle. He says that to us today as well. The battle is not ours. It belongs to the Lord. And that's why in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20, Jehoshaphat stood and said, quote, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. That word is the exact same for us, for our souls in this day and age as well. And what an incredible strength that is, because back then they didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside them as freely as we have it today as well. We now have access to the Father through Jesus Christ in Nazareth. So we're talking about having faith and believing God is who he says he is. And let's go to what Christ has to say about the matter in John 14. And it says, we'll start in verse 6. It says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I love the totality of Christ. I love his boldness. I love that there is no wiggle room in that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Well, this is a really this scripture is a really good reason to believe God is who he says he is. Christ is exactly who he says he is. And there's no gray area. You know, Satan really tries to manipulate and confuse and water things down in order to create gray area and create confusion to wrestle with people's belief and wrestle with people's faith. But when we stand on the word of God, there is no wiggle room. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to know who God the Father is, first you have to get Jesus Christ living within you. Again, why was it so important for Apostle Peter? He was ministering to multitudes, thousands of people, and he told them who Christ was. This is Acts 2. He told them who Christ was, and they were pricked in their heart and said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And his next instruction was very simple but also very direct. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that's that again, it, it's the word of God is perfect in its totality. And that's why when Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me, we're also given that perfect instruction in how to get the Spirit of Christ in us, dwelling with us every day. In verse 7, we're in John 14, verse 7, it says, If ye had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Again, that perfect unity between Christ and God the Father. And that that perfect unity is what gave Christ that boldness to say, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He could say that because he understood that he was in lockstep with the Father. 
And then Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Well, Philip had a, a, a the wrong perspective here that he was he wanted himself to feel sufficed. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? You know, again, Christ is very straightforward. And this is why Satan has attempted to make things muddy, because there is no variance with God. This is very straightforward. And that's why when we have that confidence in the Word of God, when we spend our time seeking things out in the Word, we gain that confidence and that understanding. And when Satan tries to tell us something like, oh, you know, lies aren't that big of a deal, you can blast him and say, no, Satan is the father of lies. And you can stand on the Word of God with great confidence and, again, that boldness in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. No, Satan is the father of lies. He was a liar from the beginning. That's scripture. (laughs) So Satan's not getting away with it. He can't. When we know our word, when we have that confidence and we have that boldness in Christ, Satan can't get away with it. And we overcome him through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Boom. And he is immediately cast to the pit of hell and has to stay there. And we can stomp all over him. So be emboldened, dear brother and sister in the Lord. Be bold. Because once we proclaim this gospel, there is nothing that Satan can do about it. Again, Christ said, I am the way and the truth. If you're hearing lies in your life, know that that is not of God. Christ is the truth. And we have some scriptures here to even further back this up. So I'm kind of blasting the lies out there today. And I'm doing so through the through the knowledge of the word and belief in God Almighty that he is only righteous. (laughs) I love it. I love that God's only righteous, you know? We get to thank him for that. We get to thank, Lord, thank you so much for only being righteous. Thank you for all your incredible truth and all your incredible boldness that you give us in that truth. So yeah, Christ, Christ does not make anything muddy. It says God is not the author of confusion. Uh, there is no variance with God. So when Christ says, how, how saith thou then? Show us the Father. When he's been walking lockstep with the Father. So we're in John 14. Let's go to verse 10. It says, believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Christ has a really good question here. And for anyone who calls themselves a Christian and also says, well, I'm a sinner or I'm a liar or things like that, you got to ask yourself the same question. Are you in Christ? Because if God is only righteous and Christ is only righteous and you're walking in Christ, then there is only righteousness in you and in your life as we walk in Christ. So that's why we, we use the word to back everything up. We don't use our natural minds. We don't use someone else's interpretation of something. We use the word of God in its simplicity and truth. And I love that the Lord gives that to us. So uh, Christ goes on in verse 10. It says, The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Well, yes, our friend Tom certainly recognized that himself as he is being sent to these faraway places of no control. He had no control whatsoever in these instances. 
But it was the father that father that's doing these works. It was the Lord that was laying these things out, that was sending him a couple states away to baptize hundreds in federal prison. And by the way, his ministry continues to this day all over this country. In Chicago, he just ended up baptizing a, a group of individuals in Orange County that were fighting addiction, helping them overcome that. So this ministry is just absolutely expanding because this man was humble enough and believed God to allow the Lord to work in his life. In, in verse 11, it says, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Well, I can tell you, I believe Christ, that he is in the Father, and the Father in him, and I believe him for the work's sake. In verse 12, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Beloved friends, we are in this time right now. We are doing the greater works than even what Christ did. And we see that all the time. We heard about that going on in federal prison. A man feeling the heat of the Holy Spirit so hot that he jumped up and thought that there was he was getting burned. But he wasn't. It was the fire of the Holy Spirit healing his body. That's the same thing. And, and look, the, the book of Acts, there's no amen at the end of the book of Acts. So all those works, just like Apostle Peter and Apostle John were doing, and Stephen and Apostle Paul, all those works, that's what Christ was pointing to. Greater works are we doing today, 2020. If this is the first time you're hearing something like this and you're kind of thinking to yourself, wow, I've never heard anything like this before. Well, then let's get real simple. Let's get in our word. Let's get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And then watch how the Lord just boom. It's like you're shot out of a cannon. It's an amazing life to live. And you'll see these greater works that just become a natural part of your life. Your life becomes supernatural when you walk in the Spirit. And here's how we know this. It's in verse 13. And again, I'm in John chapter 14. We're talking about having faith and belief in God. It's not good enough to just believe in God. We need to believe God. And it says in verse 13, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Oh, that's an incredible promise of God and of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, that kind of has to be the case because Christ says greater works shall you do. So he's going to have to give us the tools to do that. God doesn't set up set us up to fail. He sets us up to succeed, to be victorious. That's the testimony we have in Christ. We are victors. Yea, we are more than conquerors is the way Paul put it. So certain, certainly, if we ask anything in Christ's name, especially as we want to glorify the Father ourselves, especially as we say, Lord, you you told me that greater works I will do because you go unto the Father. So you, I need you to do this for me. We get to have that personal one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus Christ in Nazareth when we're baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just part of a, it's your, it's your part of a, your everyday life is to have those conversations with Jesus Christ because he lives inside you. Isn't that a wonderful thing?
Here's verse 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, that's a neat scripture right there. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if you love truth, you'll keep his commandments and you won't have lies or falsehood as a part of your life. I'm going to say that one more time. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So if you love Christ, you'll love the truth and you won't have falsehood, lies, deception, or unrighteousness as a part of your life. You'll be able to separate yourself out of those things. And you'll keep his commandments, which is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy strength, and all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And in that we fulfill all the law and prophets. So certainly we can accomplish that. But we have to separate the lies from the truth. And the way to do that is to have love for the truth. And again, I have more scriptures to back this up. But as we learn more about Christ, as we're in our word more and more, we'll see these, this confirmation of every point that's in the gospel. We see perfect confirmation because God's ways are perfect. Isn't that wonderful? In, in verse 16, Christ says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it has it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So again, there's a real line of demarcation, isn't there? It's very clear. Christ and God, their objective is truth and righteousness. And Satan's objective is lies and deceit. That's the, that's the line of demarcation. So when, when Christ says, I will pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter and abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, that tells you right there that God wants us to have the spirit of truth, to be able to separate lies from truth, to believe God for his truth, because it is so grand and it is so immense. I read to you, in the first hour, what most people who endure solitary confinement go through, hopelessness, depression, uh, even suicidal thoughts. But you heard the testimony of a man who was prepared of God, filled with the filled with the spirit of truth, who knew it was the favor of the Lord to be in solitary confinement for four months and then another round, another month. So in total, five months he spent in solitary confinement with great hope, with great um, time of worship and praise in God. That's the difference. So we have to believe God because the world's going to tell us that if you go to solitary confinement, your life is going to be abysmal and horrible. And even people who get out afterwards becomes, quote, scared of other people. Well, that's not the testimony of a spirit filled man. Not at all. No. When we have the spirit of the truth, we can separate lies from fiction or separate lies and fiction from the truth. And when we have the spirit of truth, we know when a promise of God is of God and we can bank on it and have that confidence and hope in it as we're going through some very unique circumstance. It won't sway us. It's kind of like when God told 
those um, Judah and Jerusalem back in Second Chronicles, look, this is my battle. You don't have to worry about this. Don't even fight. This is my battle. When we have the spirit of truth, that will be our stance and it'll be comfortably in our heart and soul and mind and be a great comfort all the time. And it, you know, Christ just reiterates this again in, in verse 18. And again, we're in John chapter, chapter 14. It says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. God always has a solution and always has a plan. You know, our friend Tom talked about the fact that he was in solitary confinement and didn't know if it would last a day, weeks, months, how long that would be. Didn't matter. He knew this scripture. He believes God. He will not leave us comfortless. He will rescue us. So have that great confidence. Have that great settling in your soul that as we walk through these trying times, as we walk through challenges, the Lord will not leave us comfortless. In verse 19, it says, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but you see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. That, my friends, is walking in the Spirit. Living in Christ every single day, walking in the Spirit, being able to take those strong stances against the wiles of, of Satan and against the lies that are going out there about what it is to be a Christian and, and what it is to uh, believe God. There's a lot of lies that are going out there. And it's up to us to dispel them and live righteously every day and use the word of God to reject and repudiate what Satan's trying to accomplish through those lies. And we do. The battle is... is is the Lord's. He's already won it. He's already been victorious. It's up to us now to make sure that we are part of that victory by proclaiming the Lord's righteousness. In verse 20, it says, At that day ye shall know that I am in the, my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Again, you see this perfect threefold chord here? At that day ye shall know I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. We walk with the Father through the Son of Jesus Christ. And in that, you know, I mentioned that God is only righteous. In that, we obtain that same righteousness that God has. And that's what he sees when he looks at, the, at an individual soul. He sees how much we are participating in his thinking, in his mind, in his way of doing things versus our natural mind, our natural way of doing things. So the more we gravitate to the, word of to the word of God, the more we'll be in the Father and walk in Christ. Isn't that a wonderful, simple way of understanding this incredible walk? The more we're in our word, it says Christ was the word made flesh. The more we'll get to know Jesus Christ. And Christ said, no man come to the Father but by me. So we'll, the more we'll be in the Lord as well. In verse 21, it says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So first, we need to have Christ's commandments. Well, where do we get those commandments? Where do we get them? If we need to have them, there's, they have to be obtainable. Because again, God does not set us up to fail. He gives us everything we need to succeed 
in this life and for all eternity. So first, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them. So first we have to have Christ's commandments. Well, as I mentioned, Christ was the word made flesh. So we know his commandments by simply reading the word for ourselves. That's right. It's important to get that time in your word between you and God. God is very personal. He's very individual. You don't have to go through a priest or a pastor or another individual. Just open your Bible. I recommend the King James Version because as I mentioned, it was the first version translated with no political or religious bias. And so because of that, it is considered the authorized version. Other versions have come after it and are based on it, sort of, sometimes. Um, but really, why go anywhere else but direct to the source that's the best? So when we read the King James Version of it, we get to see the fullness of the Lord in everything. And then he starts bringing, wow, I read that scripture last week and it means something incredibly more vibrant to me now. Because as we read the word, as we live the word, those lessons and what Christ is saying to us through the word become so vibrant and alive. And if we aren't reading our word for ourselves and just listening to what someone else is saying or their interpretation, we could end up with what Paul talks about in Romans 10. Romans 10, we'll start in verse 2. Paul says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Hmm. So they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They don't actually know the Lord. They don't actually believe God. So they don't actually believe that God is only righteous and that a Christian could walk this walk and be righteous as well. So they try to maneuver because they don't actually believe God, but they have a zeal of God. They just don't actually know him. Here's verse three. This is really important. Romans 10 verse three. It says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Isn't that incredible? Now we read in Second Chronicles how the Lord said, don't worry about this battle. This is my battle. This is not your battle. And what did Jehoshaphat do? What did the leader at that time do? In fact, the Lord went on to say, this is Second Chronicles chapter 20. I'm in verse 17 right now. It says, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Well, Jehoshaphat, the leader, rather than saying, oh, well, uh, I, I know how to fight this fight. Lord, thanks for being here, but I know how to fight this fight too. Rather than saying that, no, no, no. What did he do? He bowed his head with his face to the ground and worshiped the Lord. That submitting ourselves to the righteousness of God, knowing that God does have the battle, knowing that God is only righteous. We don't have to go about and establish our own righteousness when we have God's eternal righteousness within us. So you see why it's so important to know your own word so that we can, we can hear if someone else is saying something that's a little off scripture, kind of sounds like they might be ignorant of God's righteousness. I'm going to go back to my word and, and make sure that I have the Lord's righteousness within me. 
what I think is so incredible about this is, uh, you know, Paul called out these false false pastors, false prophets, false Christians way back, way back in Romans 10, verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, they don't believe God is only righteous. They're ignorant to that. There's like a missing piece there in, in their understanding of who God really is. Well, he inhabits eternity and he um, only does wondrous things. That's what we're going to get to in Psalms. So when we believe in God's righteousness, we'll have all the promises he offers. But the only way to become educated in God's righteousness, here's a clue, here's a clue here, is to read it for yourself. Read the word for yourself. That's how we become educated in God's righteousness. And then, of course, yes, we, ha- we need apostles, prophets, evangelists, t- pastors, and teachers for the work of the Lord, for the edifying of the saints. That's absolutely true, too. And, and the only way to avoid um, being ignorant of God's righteousness is having that full understanding through the word of God. Otherwise, people go out to establish their own righteousness and then fail to submit themselves under the righteousness of God. They would be the person that when the Lord says, don't worry, I've got this battle. I've got you. They go out and march on their own battle thinking that they're going to be victorious and totally lose out on God's promises. So let's, let's make sure that we are fully educated in God's righteousness and we believe God for all of his righteousness. To have that faith that he is who he says he is. To know that if circumstances look really strange, that we are walking in the spirit and God will not leave us comfortless. He will send for, he will come for us and rescue us. So we just finished readings and reading in Romans 10, how Paul was, um, was instructing the Romans to be careful about those that are ignorant of God's righteousness that go about to establish their own righteousness and don't submit themselves unto the righteousness of God. That's Romans 10, verse 3. And we see that frequently in the natural world and frankly in a lot of so-called churches that want to have the blessing of the Lord, but they don't actually know him. And so they can't teach other people about Christ because they don't actually even know him themselves. They're going about to establish their own righteousness. Well, you know, if we don't know the difference, then it's easy to be deceived. So we must know the word of God for ourselves to be able to delineate between truth and lies if we're going to be able to know what to believe and what God is doing in our lives. You know, it'd be really easy to look at someone who is going through tough times. You know, we had our wonderful friend Leslie on a couple weeks ago who was embroiled in more than a decade of meth addiction. Well, what if someone, the person, her friend that she found, Laura, who ministered the the word of the Lord to her, what if she would have said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you. You're a drug addict. No, I'm a Christian. Christians and drug addicts, they don't meet. They don't mix. What if she had said that to her? How would that soul have been helped? We can't allow ourselves to look at the outward appearance. We have to see things by the Spirit. And the only way to do that is through the Spirit of truth, Jesus Christ of Nazareth and the Holy Spirit. 
And here, it, we're, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Here's why it's really important. If you want to believe God, if you want all of God's promises in your life, then, then we have to believe God. And the way to make sure we believe all the things that are in the word is to, well, first of all, know the word and then also separate truth from fiction, truth from lies. So here's Apostle Paul instructing the Corinthians. Let's let's tune in. Let's hear what he has to say. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 14. It says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Really good questions. Paul goes on in verse 15. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? An infidel is someone who doesn't believe. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. And God hath said, I dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So how important is it that we take heed to these words? And when Christ said, if you love me, keep my commandments, when you love the truth, and again, Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I love how simple it is. When you love the truth, you'll automatically want to just go towards it. And what does that do? It automatically leads leaves lies and deceit behind you because your eyes are focused on Jesus Christ and Nazareth. Your eyes are focused on the truth. All you want is the truth? Okay, well, that means no lie can come before you then. When all you're doing is seeking the truth, seeking the Lord, you can't be around lies. You can't be around lies. And then Paul confirms it here that we are not to have fellowship righteousness with unrighteousness. Well, how is that possible then? If if um, if nobody's righteous, if nobody is, if this is unattainable, why would Paul say that? It must be obtainable. And it is obtainable through Jesus Christ of Nazareth, through walking in the Spirit. We don't have to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, this doesn't mean, you know, Paul also says, whenever possible, live at peace with all men. So this isn't this isn't us trying to be better than anyone else. This is us knowing what the truth is and believing God. That's what this is. So when we are walking in this life and and we're you know going to the grocery store or going to our jobs or going to buy a car whatever it is we're doing we do all things through Christ we obtain we have that righteousness in us but it just means be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers i'm not going to bring people in my life that are unbelievers that don't know the truth and and rely on their counsel or rely on their understanding of things that would be coming unequally yoked when I use their counsel as a platform from which to jump into different things in my life instead I'm going to come out and be separate 
I'm going to focus just on the truth and keep my eyes right on Christ. And then I'll be separate and I'll recognize that as I do that, I can walk forward and leave everything else behind me. And and God the Father will be my father and I will be his daughter as we take that on and as we walk in the Spirit every single day. It's just an incredibly simple um it's very simple, and Christ is very direct about this, and I love him for that. I love that. Let's go to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I don't have time today to read the whole chapter. It's really good. I encourage you to spend some time in Second Thessalonians 2 because we are the light of this world. So we are a type of the brightness of his coming. Well, let's, let's go to verse 8. And um, in Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So the wicked is Satan, his lies, his deception, his deceits, his hatred, his violence. All of that is Satan's agenda. Fear, torment, um, all of that is, is in his sphere of influence. Well, the Lord shall consume him with the spirit of his mouth. Well, as we read earlier in John 14, Christ lives in us when we walk in the spirit. And so when we speak out with boldness, the word of the Lord, guess what that does? It consumes the wicked one. That's exactly what it does. That is why we can have such boldness, because we can rest in this scripture and believe God for it, that we can have great boldness and consume the wicked one with the spirit of the Lord's mouth and shall destroy him with the brightness of his coming. Well, we are the light of this world. That's a type of the brightness of the Lord's coming every single day as we walk We are that brightness of his coming. So certainly, everywhere we walk, as we're walking in the Spirit, when we're led of God, we can rest assured that we are destroying the wicked one. And in verse 9, it says, Even him whose coming is after the work of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a really important scripture because it does point out that the working of Satan has some power has some signs and lying wonders, okay? So let's make sure that we recognize that Satan has those elements as well. And whatever we hear, whatever we're told, we line it up with the word of God. And then we'll know what is truth and what is lies. And we can believe God for all of his wondrous works and his wondrous miracles. In verse 10, it says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. You know, this is why Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he that loveth me shall be loved of the Father. So that is, again, you know, as we're praying in our closets at home, okay, Lord, I love your truth. I love your righteousness. Thank you for giving me more of that. In verse 11, it says, And for this cause, for the for those that don't love the truth, for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Those that have pleasure in unrighteousness will not have a good life. 
They won't. And they certainly won't have a good afterlife. They won't have a, a good eternity. Here's a huge but. Let's go to verse 13. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. That's right. As we walk in the Spirit, we believe God. We believe his righteousness. We believe the truth of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And because of that, we have salvation through the Spirit. So we don't have to worry about the um, whatever the world would think is going to be our life based on the circumstances. As I mentioned before, the association, the American Psycholo- Psychological Association thinks that solitary confinement can be very hazardous to one's mental health. <laughs> but God had a different plan for this for our friend Tom. And so whenever we're going through certain circumstances, we can have that confidence that the Lord has a great plan for all of us and we can walk through it knowing we are brethren, beloved of the Lord, sanctified of the Spirit because of our belief in the truth in God Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And well, uh, let's go to verse 14. It says, Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts establish you in every good word and work. Isn't that incredible? That beautiful promise. I love the word of God because Paul walks right through the deceivableness of unrighteousness and those that will perish in their pleasure in unrighteousness. That's a reality of God. And yet here we get to end with the fact that we have been chosen by God to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and our belief of the truth. Jesus Christ in Nazareth, no man cometh to the Father but by him. Never shall I flee from you, my love. Never shall I wander from your arms Whatever the world, I'll turn to you The safety of Ever shall my heart be fixed on you Ever shall your promises be true Counting on your faithfulness, I do Trust in you to deliver me from tribulation I'll be ever searching for you Blessed is the morning If I'm walking through it with you, Lord And the day Oh, oh, oh precious are the moments That you whisper in my eager ears, oh, Lord And you say I 
have prepared a place for you. the soul that's made to see finally removes what's hindering opens up the heart and just believes and washes clean steady is the rock my faith upon in strength to carry on nothing's gonna separate my soul from your love No persecution, peril or sword Height nor depth nor any creature Blessed is the morning If I'm walking through it with you, Lord And the day Oh, 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 precious are the moments That you whisper in my eager ears, oh Lord And you say Sit with me, my child have prepared a place for you What a great show. You know, God's love is perfect. I love that song by Gabriel Bueller recorded live in this studio by him. He's my brother. That's why we share the last the same last name. And uh, you'll be able to get them on demand on Spotify shortly, but he does have an entire album on Spotify called Keep Your Love On if you want to access that. It's beautifully written music. And as you heard right there, God has prepared a place for each of us because God's love is perfect and intentional and for each one of us. This final scripture I'll close the show with, it's one of my favorites. It's Psalm 72, 18. And it's, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. God is so particular. He's so specific. And he is so individual that it doesn't matter how big or small the challenge is. He's doing it. The battle belongs to him. And he only does wondrous things. I want to thank you for being here today. You can always go access show archives by going to getyourloveon.org. We love to hear from you. We love to hear your prayer requests, your praise reports, and you can do all that and be in contact with the show at getyourloveon.org. We'll be back next Sunday, and in the meanwhile, Lord bless you. Man or woman, man or woman who is so down, try keep your love on, on. Sons and daughters, sons and daughters of the one true God, keep your love on. Keep your love on, child. Let it shine bright, bright, bright. Don't let it die, don't let it die, no, no.